if you like the work that we produce on this show, support the show and get access to extra content and more at patreon.com backslash Fred Opie Show. Live from our studio in Babson Park, Massachusetts, it's the Fred Opie Show, where we unpack history to positively impact the future. I am Fred Opie, your host. Thanks for joining us live or listening to the podcast. An interview with Tyler Patterson, who is graduating in three years from Babson College. Tyler came to Babson as a recruited lacrosse player and an outstanding one at that. We're going to listen to his story about how he is graduating in three years from Babson and already has a job lined up when he leaves school. Tyler, I wanted to interview you because I want the audience to hear your story. You are graduating from Babson College in three years. How did you do it? Is it unrealistic for somebody to do this or you were a child genius? Definitely not a child genius. Honestly, I kind of fell into it. Going to boarding school once I graduated, I took a couple APs that transferred over for, I think, eight credits at Babson. And then during my time at Babson, I think I overloaded two semesters and then I was a part of the Honors College, which gave me two additional credits. And then it just kind of worked out. And I got an email last semester saying I can graduate in the fall. And I was like, why not? $35,000 saved, it seems. You used a term that I want you to unpack for those who won't be familiar with it. I overloaded. Explain to somebody, freshman, junior, sophomore, senior, what it means to overload. So traditionally at Babson, you take roughly four to five classes a semester, which equates to 16 to 18 credits. By overloading, you're taking an additional class, which puts you to the 20 credit maximum limit you can do. So I overloaded two semesters just because I felt I was going to be able to do it in the fall. Being a student athlete, you learn how to manage your time, so I felt I'd be able to do it. This wasn't a game plan coming in. This was never the plan. It was a great surprise for my parents, though. <laughs> and you're saving $35,000? Roughly, yes. Have you had to take out student loans? Uh, luckily, not personally. My parents paid Your my parents. Do you have any idea how much... And loan debt your parents have? I do not know. With my brother and I both going to boarding school and attending colleges, and they're paying for all eight years for each of us, our boarding schools were roughly a college tuition, so it's probably a million dollars worth of education. Wow. And you have a job already lined up? Yes, I do. When did you procure that job? Uh, this past summer, I did an internship, and I got the return offer for full-time. Wow. It was the internship. Citibank. Did you know going into the internship that this would lead to a job offer? Most likely if I did my job well. Was this your first internship? This was my third. Your third. So how did you get all this focus? So um, honestly, in high school, I wasn't the most focused person. Coming to college, I knew I needed to change a little bit because you have to enter the real world once you matriculate out of college. So I had to shift to focus more on my academics and my career path. And my dad, being in the banking industry, had contacts and like kind of told me what I need to do to get ready and just prepared me. Tell us about the three different internships that you had and what you, what you did. So my freshman summer, I worked at Wachtell Lipton Rosencats. It's the leading M and A law firm. M and A meaning merger and acquisitions. Okay, so you got you got all this jargon. <laughs> that we got we got the normal people out here listening, <laughs> like like Doctor Opie, who doesn't even know what that means. All right, go ahead. So you did merger and acquisitions. What did you do during that internship? So I worked in the research and development department, and that basically I worked with all the paralegals and the lawyers in the company and did case briefings for them. Did you get paid for the internship? Yes. 
What, what was the pay? Do you remember? I think $24 an hour. I probably worked roughly 40 hours a week for eight to 10 weeks. Did you like it? I enjoyed it. It was a good experience. You lived I, in a city? Uh, no, I commuted that summer. What did you think of the experience being a commuter? I definitely respected my father a lot more. <laughs> 26 years now, he's done it. Second internship, what'd you do? So going to my junior year, I worked at Ernst & Young, which is one of the big four consulting firms, accounting firms. I did consulting there in the business advisory practice. During that summer, I actually lived in New York City for the first time with my um, roommates who go to NYU who attended Lawrenceville with me. During that internship, I consulted for four different banks. So you worked with a team that went into a site, job site? Exactly. And you had a leader that gave you assignments, what you had to do. Did you feel as though your Babson education prepared you for the internship? Definitely. The Babson education, like classes like ASM, it's basically- ASM? ASM. I'm actually not sure what- I have, I've worked at three different colleges. <laughs> I have never been in a school with more acronyms than Babson College. Would you agree exactly. in your experience? So many acronyms. You know a Babson student when they keep throwing all these alphabets out, <laughs> you, you know this isn't alone because they kind of get it. So you work with the team and you carried out whatever the assignment was. Exactly. I've always wanted to go into investment banking. That was my end goal. We're going to take a commercial break now, and we'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you in part by theathletebook.com. If your business is looking to hire talented team members, Post your openings on theathletebook.com. They host virtual hiring events that connect college, Olympic, and pro athlete to job opportunities. Theathletebook.com offers diversity recruiting solutions, personality trait matching to your top employees. CEO Ryan Drummond is a friend, former Division I athlete, and seasoned talent strategist. Theathletebook.com works with small businesses as well as pro sports teams, Amazon, Yelp, J.P. Morgan Chase, GE, and Under Armour to help them hire the best. Let's return to the show now to unpack more history to positively impact the future. So when and how did you know you wanted to go into investment banking? So I've always been more of a quantitative person than qualitative. Math has been my thing. I've always liked money, finance. So investment banking kind of seemed like the right path. Like with my academic record, it made, it made the most sense. So here at Babson, we have only business major. Did you do a concentration? So funny thing is, since I'm graduating early, my concentration is economics instead of finance and economics. You've been... Going through the process of doing interviews, give those that are listening best practices that you learn from the interview process. Know your story. Know why you're here, why you want to be here, like why you would like to join the firm. You have to know your story and be able to articulate it in a manner that makes you look like a good candidate. Because everyone's coming for the same reason. You have to kind of shine out, stand out and shine. So figuring that out is something you have to do prior to going into your interviews. What were some of the things that you think set you apart from other people competing for the jobs and internships? Definitely being a student athlete because it shows that you have the, a work-life balance already. You understand how to manage your time and get things done. 
So with an academic record and being a student athlete, that balance just shows like you're a good person to hire. Let's go back to your junior year in high school. What schools did you want to consider going to and what places did you actually go visit before you decided to come to Babson? During my junior year in high school, I went to boarding school. I'm the biggest believer now in in boarding school. I think it's the absolute best preparation for college that there is. Ed Woodson, who worked at boarding schools during his career as an educator, both his children also attended boarding schools. They're away from home, but they're not on their own. They go from having two parents or one parent to having 40 parents. That's just the faculty. But everybody on that campus is a big family. Everybody is invested in each and every one of those kids on on campus. And everybody knows each kid. And every faculty member knows the kids well. One of the greatest things I think about boarding school is they learn time management. There's no mistaking that these are student athletes with the student part first. These folks take their athletics very seriously. They are churning out kids that go to best colleges in the country. They're sending their athletes out to play in these schools. And they're preparing their athletes to study and play in those situations. So I was committed to Lehigh University to play lacrosse and I was gonna take a postgrad year. Then I came into my senior fall and decided after watching my brother play Division One lacrosse that Division One lacrosse wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do because what are the benefits of playing Division One lacrosse taking next year of high school versus playing Division Three lacrosse and getting an education and focusing on my education. So I had a hard audible. This is in the fall, senior fall. I know I want to do business. Babson's one of the leading schools in business. They have a lacrosse team. I called the coach, told him my situation. I was like, I think I'm going to decommit. I like Babson. Came down for a visit. Did you have any scholarship money offered to you at the Division One school? No. We're going to give you admissions, give you a spot on the team. Exactly. How did you find out about Babson? I searched this web for lacrosse schools, D3 lacrosse schools with business programs. Babson being a liberal arts college is one of the few liberal arts colleges that actually has a business practice in it. What would you say to the senior version of you? Who wants to play lacrosse? Advice to a senior in high school, be proactive. Reach out, try to go into many, as many visits as you can. It's important to like, know the situation you're getting into, especially with the team. You need to know the coaches, the players. So definitely go on your visits. Feel free to email like any coach. Worst case, they don't email you back, but you have to put yourself out there. Coaches, they have a lot going on, and they're probably getting a lot of emails from recruits. In your email, you should definitely just attach your highlights, put your GPA, your reason why you're interested, maybe your connection to the school or anything like that. We're going to take a commercial break now, and we'll be right back. Start with your gift. Understand and monetize it while serving others with it. I wish I could have read your book years ago and had the wisdom to put its strategies into action. There still is time to apply it to my life, but my boys will know the book well and at an early age. It provides principles on how to handle their college recruiting selection process, focusing on finding what their gifts are and working from there. That's from Bill Adele. Read a sample chapter of Start With Your Gift on my website, fredopi.com. 
Hey, everybody, we got a special that we're going to announce today. My book, Start With Your Gift. We're making it available during the holiday season for $10. How to send your kid to school debt-free. That's grad school or undergrad. That's the hard copy of the book, Start With Your Gift. Two ways you can order it. You can get it on Amazon.com. The book is available as an audible book and as a digital copy, but the hard copy is available for $10. You can also get it on my website at fredopspeaks.com. Look for a link to the store and order it there. If you order it there, I'll make sure I sign a copy of it before I send it out to you. It's a great gift. It'll make a difference in somebody's life. You're a parent. Here's what you do. Buy the book. Put $10, $20, $50, whatever you want at the back of the book. Give it to the kid. And the next time the kid comes to you and says, hey, Mom, Dad, I need some money. Just look at him and say, did you read the book? But I need some money. Just say, read the book. And leave it at that. See what happens. It'll make a difference because your kid will now have a game plan for getting the right education, know how to get an internship, negotiating a job. It'll show them how to budget. Every stupid mistake I've made is in there so they don't have to make it. It's a great investment. And for $10, it's a steal. Welcome back to this edition of The Fred Opie Show, unpacking history to positively impact the future. You played three years of, of lacrosse here, uh, and I saw you. I'd say you were one of the more talented players that I've seen come through here in a long time. The decision not to play your senior year, has that been a hard one for you? Has it been a difficult one for your classmates, which you guys have a, a very strong junior class? Has it been hard for them to accept? It's definitely been hard. Going to college, being a student athlete, just the way it works, like you're, all your schedules align, so you're hanging out with your teammates all the time, so those become your best friends. And then not playing a sport for the first time, you're not on that schedule anymore. Your classes are at different times. You don't really see anyone. You're not on the same schedule. You're not eating together all the time. So it's been an interesting adjustment, definitely an eye-opening experience, having one semester not playing a sport, just seeing the other side of, like, of what college could be. It's definitely been hard. I definitely miss playing lacrosse. I still go talk to the coach. I hang out with my friends all the time. I Sometimes I go to captain's practices play with them. So this is the first time in how long you haven't been, quote, yeah, on a team. This is the first time I've gone to school without playing a sport. Wow. Which, and you're how old now? 21. So what's it feel like? Are you going it's through, weird. like, an identity crisis? See, it was, at first it was weird, but then I was like, honestly, it's a good medium to transition me into the real world. I think it's, it's, I'm in a good place. Knowing that you're not going into a season, you're not competing, have you stopped working out? How you're eating? Has all that, any of that stuff changed? Quite the opposite, actually. You're playing lacrosse, you're running all the time, you're doing team lifts, so like your appetite, like it doesn't really matter. You, just, you eat. You eat whatever you kind of want. But now that I'm not playing a sport, I'm like, I have to be healthy. I have to go to the gym. I have to eat salads now. I have to focus on being healthy and being like a real person because I'm not backed by just playing lacrosse and burning calories like that. What was something about going to college that you thought you understood when you're in high school, but now that you're almost done, you realize, I didn't understand this. Having an older brother, I kind of knew what I was getting into being a college athlete from my visits with him and seeing him go through college. But just the importance and like the bonds that you make, the friendships you make at college. People say like, yo, your high school friends will be your, high, your friends forever. I think honestly, your college friends are gonna be your friends forever. Those are the bonds because that's when you're going to your adulthood. You guys are all in the same mindset and same focus. In retrospect, why do you think that is? You're at an age where 
your mind's more open now. You kind of see the world in a different light. In high school, you're focused on just being, like, especially as a student athlete in high school, you're just like, I'm the lacrosse guy. Like, this is what we do. It's high school. I'm a high school senior. College more like you're going to go to the real world now. Like, things start to matter a lot more, so your bonds matter more. What about fluids? How's that changed? And you can go anywhere you want with that question. <laughs> I am not going to direct it for you, but um, how's that changed since your freshman year? Drinking-wise, everyone puts lacrosse in the light of having a poor drinking culture, a poor social culture, being like those bad guys. But honestly, especially at Babson, that's not what's here. The culture we've had, I think, has been amazing. Like, I've gone on many college lacrosse visits. That was one of the th- reasons why I chose Babson. Like, the environment the team creates is amazing. And drinking-wise, you can't drink until you're 21, so I just started drinking. Do you have any regrets? While I was here, I wish I had while you were a student, an undergrad student. Looking back on it, I wish I would have gotten out of my bubble earlier, out of my lacrosse bubble and just like the athlete bubble and just reached out to more people because there's a lot of interesting people on our campus. Favorite class or professor you've had here at Babson, and why does this person or class come to mind? I'm in a class right now called Contemporary World Literature of the Unreal. Going to Babson, most of your classes are business classes, so the chances that you get to take liberal arts classes, I found them very interesting. This one is just like very, the perspective that our professor offers is very different from any other literature class I've ever taken. We focus on the Unreal, which is like very vague, and the ambiguity in that area is what interests me, I guess. Who's the professor? Jason Mahogany. Shout out to Professor Mahogany. The show will be right back. For related content on negotiating the world of school and sports, visit our website at fredopi.com. Check out our podcast archive and review the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Welcome back to this edition of The Fred Opie Show. My son asked me this question, and I, and I would uh, suggest people go to the show archive at fredopia.com and listen to this uh, interview my, my son did with me. And when I asked you a question, he asked me, you're an African-American male. What does it mean for you, 2019 United States? What does it mean to be an African-American male for you? That's a loaded question. I mean... Being an African-American male today, honestly, the way I've developed throughout my lifetime, I'm from a predominantly white town. My parents always focused on the fact that I need to be in black communities. I'm a part of Jack and Jill. It's an organization for black mothers and black children to basically meet together and do activities, more or less. That's the baseline, Mm -hmm. how I would describe it. Marion Stubbs Thomas founded Jack and Jill of America Incorporated in 1938 in Philadelphia. Twenty mothers came together and organized an association to provide social, cultural, and educational opportunities for youth between the ages of 2 and 19. In 1946, 10 chapters came together to reorganize a national structure, constitution, bylaws, and they incorporated in the state of Delaware. Today, Jack and Jill has more than 245 chapters nationwide, representing more than 40,000 family members. 
Each chapter plans annual programming activities guided under a national theme. So I've been a part of Jack and Jill my entire life until I graduated out in my senior year of high school. So I have a very close friend group. That's one thing that's like coming to college and going through boarding school, playing lacrosse and everything. I have like two defined friend groups. I have my like high school friends and then like my family friends that are like always there. Every August I go to Martha's Vineyard. Those are with my Jack and Jill friends, my black friends. It's a difference of experience. I like view being black in America today as a double deprivation. You're being black, you're looked down upon. So you're deprived in one way. Most black people don't come from that much money in America, so you're deprived in that way. Education isn't very open for black people in our society in the United States. We're mostly focused in these poorer areas where we don't have the opportunities to kind of get out. It's a very deprived state of being a black man in America today. And you say that even with the fact that you come from a solid home, you went to an excellent boarding school, and you're graduating from a good college, you still that you, you feel that. Yes. The Jack and Jill and lacrosse, it's almost like two different worlds. It's very much two different worlds. And have either of the two worlds that you know, have they understood the other? Hard one to kind of figure out going through high school to like figure out those two lives, but like joining them together be, being one person. When Tyler talked about his two sets of friends, those from Jack and Jill and those from lacrosse, it made me think about W.E.B. Du Bois and his phrase, double consciousness. It's a peculiar sensation, this double consciousness, writes Du Bois in his 1903 book, The Souls of Black Folks. This sense of his two-ness, an American, an African-American, two souls, two thoughts, two unreconciled strivings, two warring ideals, and one dark body, whose dogged strength alone keeps it from being torn asunder. Here's an excerpt of the interview I mentioned that my son did with me, in which he asked me, what was it like to be one of the few African-American lacrosse players during your playing career? What was it like being one of the only African-American athletes on your lacrosse team? I'm going through the same thing right now. It's very predominantly white. So what was it like for you? When I was playing, I'm sure there's a part in my consciousness that I'm the only African-American, but really 95% of the time, I'm a member of this team. We have to win. We have to do what's necessary to work together to win. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and these are kids that I played with in high school, you know, since it's funny because I would describe my my relationship with most of them as a very good relationship. There's very few of them that I've had a close relationship with, one I've had an extremely close relationship with. You're 95% of the time when you're on the field, you're thinking about, I'm a member of this team. We have to be together. We have to work together to win. And that's about it. So I locked in. You know, I'm playing. I'm thinking about that. I'm not thinking so much. I can't remember any incidents of folks on the sidelines saying things, but I'm also one of those players that I was aware of fans, but I had the ability to kind of block them out. Lacrosse for many people in Native American culture and society is a way you dealt with your spiritual health as well as your, your emotional health. That's how lacrosse was for me. I think I think it's that way for a lot of a lot of guys that I played with. Lacrosse was how we kept our sanity when things outside the lines of the field weren't going so well and maybe mm-hmm. things at home were a little crazy. In high school, I was aware of a couple 
um, notable black players. There was a guy named Ed Howard. He was an All-American at Hobart. He was a poster in my high school of Ed uh, playing a game. Maybe one of the first times I saw um, other African-Americans. I remember going to West Point. They had a goalie named Jose Oliverio. He was a Puerto Rican descent, but very dark skinned. So I identify with him. He was an All-American great player. Then Navy had a player named Sid Abernathy. He was the second African-American after Jim Brown to be a first-team All-American. Sid was a phenomenal player. I identified with Sid. He was an attackman. I was an attackman. So, you know, there were enough people like that that I saw that kind of latched on to and never felt like this wasn't my game. I was more self-conscious about being a lacrosse player because Syracuse football, Syracuse basketball, most of those teams were African-Americans. And so for them to see me and me see them, that was more, I probably became more conscious of being one of the few during that time. Um, Some of my closest friends, though, were football players. And football players had a high level of status on campus. So my association with them also raised my status. And then again, Syracuse was ranked number, you know, two in the country. Um, Most of the time I was there, both years I was there, we played a national championship. So in terms of, the status that you have and how you feel about yourself when you're on a, a really good team, that probably helped. We're going to take a commercial break now, and we'll be right back. Women folk, Hall of Famers, I need to know who they are. Please send that person's information in fdopie at gmail.com and suggest some folks and give me their contact information so I can reach out to them and invite them on the show. If you have questions or themes that you want me to unpack on the show as I interview my guest, I am delighted to look at those. Return to the show now to unpack more history and positively impact the future. Your friends from the Jack and Jill community and family community, when you tell them you're graduating for three years, what is their response? They're happy. <laughs> My dad was, that was one of the happiest calls when I told him, oh, I'll save you $35,000. <laughs> Thank you for coming in and sharing. I, I think this is going to be very helpful to a lot of people. And that's why I know you were probably thinking, what is he going to ask me when I get him <laughs> on the mic? He was a great student. I had him as a student, and I'm really looking forward to keeping in touch. We have to do like a follow-up of course, a, a year into your, your work career and see how things are going. Of course. Thanks, man. Thank you. That's it for this edition of the Fred Opie Show. Thank you for joining us. Check out the show archive at fredopiespeaks.com, as well as our books and other content. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our show notes where you'll find a way to subscribe to our podcast, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You'll find links to books discussed on the show, links to our YouTube channel where you can watch the show. 
If you want to know more about what I'm doing, go to fredopi.com, which is my website. You can see information on the books I've published. There are two blogs that I host there, both a food and an athlete's blog, and there's both a food and an athlete's podcast. The whole archive to both those two podcasts are there. At the bottom of the podcast page, I have links to interviews that I have listened to on other people's podcasts that I would recommend to you. 